It's wonderful to be back here again today to be able to look into God's Word and a real privilege for me to be able to have the opportunity uh, to share some truths that the Lord has really weighed heavily upon my heart uh, to bring to uh, Harvest Church and not only to Harvest Church but to whoever, whoever you are that may be watching this particular uh, sermon and message. Today I want to look at a passage um, in Acts chapter 2 and just share what I believe is a very vital truth and one that I believe God really wants to bring to our attention at this point in this time in our lives. Before we have a look at it, let's just open and pray. Father, I thank you that we can come to your word. Your word, Father, is truth. Your word is reality. Your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It makes us wise. It gives us understanding. And so we thank you for this. And we thank you for the privilege, the opportunity that we have to do this today. We ask that you would help us. That you would help me to communicate the truths that you've placed on my heart. And that you would help everyone who's listening and watching to be able to receive these truths. And not only to hear them, but Father, to apply them and to work them out in their lives. So I ask this today, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Let's just have a look at Acts chapter 2, and I want to read from verses 36 to verse 47 today. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture, a passage of Scripture that we gain great insight into how God intended the church to be. And... Uh, this passage of Scripture comes at the very end, it sort of points towards the very end of a message that the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. So this is the very first message that he preached um, after Jesus Christ had ascended into heaven. And it was the first message that came immediately after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples that were in that upper room on that day. And so Peter is preaching the gospel to the people in Jerusalem, a great crowd of people that had gathered for the feast in Jerusalem. And at the end of his message is where we want to pick up and read today. And this is what we see written. Peter finishes his message with this statement, Therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. It carries on, it says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, we read the Apostle Paul writing the following words. He said, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith in God expressing itself through love for each other. And this is exactly what we see exemplified in the church in Jerusalem. The passage that we read, we can see that this is what was happening there in Jerusalem. And it's also something that must describe our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, wherever we may be, wherever we may live. You see, when we talk about the Christian faith, we talk about something that is both very personal and individual, and yet something that can only be expressed in a horizontal level or a horizontal plane by loving each other and caring for each other. It can only be fully expressed in the environment of a community. In fact, Scripture teaches that we cannot separate our relationship with God from our relationships with each other. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 to 21, let me just read it to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 to 21, we read this. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command, that anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. When the Lord Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, He didn't just give one, He gave two. He said, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. And then He added, the second is like it. We must love, you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then He said this, He said, on these two commandments hang all the other commandments. You see, what he was saying is that these two commandments are inseparable. They cannot be separated from one another. Loving God means loving our neighbor. It means loving each other. To just show how important relationships are in God's eyes, the Lord Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, this, the following words. He said, If you are offering your gift at the altar... And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. 
So we can see from this statement that the Lord Jesus was saying that if our relationships with one another are not right, if they are not in proper order, then we cannot even worship God in a way that He finds acceptable. And this is a truth that we see borne out in Scripture time and time again. It's a fundamental truth that we need to lay hold of as God's people. From this statement, we see just how much value God places on our relationships with each other. He says, first, before you even come to me to offer your gift to me, go and be reconciled to your brother. Go make things right on that, the, your relationships on the horizontal plane before you try to come to me in worship. After the Lord's resurrection, he appeared to the apostles, and one of his appearances to the apostles was on the shores of the Lake of Galilee. And uh, as he's talking to his apostles on the shore of the Lake of Galilee, and he's, there's some fish that he's prepared for them, and they're sitting there, and he's talking to them, he asks the apostle Peter a, a question three times. He says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks that question. And three times Peter said to him, Lord, you know that I love you. And at the end of each of those responses, when Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you, the Lord said this to him, then go and feed my sheep. You see, it's impossible to love God without serving those that he loves. That's what the Lord Jesus was saying to Peter. He's saying, Peter, if you love me, go and serve my people. Go and serve my sheep. Go and serve the ones that I gave my life for, those that I love. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, we read these words. The writer says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. You see, what do we see from these words here? We see that the way that we show our love for God is by helping and serving His people. It is by our love for each other that God sees our love for Him. You see, when we were born again, we were not just born again as individuals. We were born again into a family. We were born again into God's family. When we were baptized into Christ, we became a part of a body, the body of Christ. And Christ's body is not just made up of one member. It's not just made up of us as individuals. It's made up of the whole community of believers. And so when we were baptized into Christ, do you know that we became a part of a community of believers, which the Bible calls the church? In the passage that we read in Acts chapter 2, we see there that 3,000 people were baptized that day and became disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ. But you know that the story didn't end there because it also says they were added to the number of disciples. In other words, they became a part of this community of believers that already existed in Jerusalem before they were baptized. Not only did they become disciples of Jesus Christ, but they became members of the church of Jesus Christ. It was a simultaneous event. 
when they became disciples of, of Jesus Christ as they were baptized, they also became members of the community of disciples, the community of believers at the very same time. And then we read that immediately, the moment that they became disciples of Jesus Christ, the moment that they became a part of this community, they devoted themselves not only to the apostles' teaching, which is the Word of God, but they devoted themselves to gathering together with the rest of the community of believers to worship the Lord, to pray, and also we see them devoting themselves to caring for each other. Let me just read verses 41 to verse 47 again. This is from Acts chapter 2. Just hear these words and you can see the attitude that the early believers had, the attitude that they were taught by the apostles, the attitude that the apostles had received from the Lord Jesus himself, and the kind of attitude that God wants to see in our lives. Let me read it to you once again. Verses 41 to verse 47 from Acts chapter 2. This is what we read. It says, Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to their number. They devoted themselves, listen to this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's corporate prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. They took care of one another. The, the, the interests of each other were firmly held in their hearts. Every day, it says, they devoted themselves to meeting together, to coming together in the temple. And they broke bread from house to house. That means they ate together. They shared meals together. It continues, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And as they did that, this is what it says, Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What a picture we see there. What a picture of what we might call today revival or a great work of God was taking place in Jerusalem. You see, back then in those days, in the days that we read about in the book of Acts, there was no such thing as a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ who was not a part of a church that was not a part of a community of believers. And there was no such thing as a church or a community of believers, a congregation of believers that did not have a formally a recognized and appointed leadership and structure. Even though they met in homes, that was the case. The disciples of that time were taught by the apostles to love one another, to love each other just as Christ loved them. And they were taught that that meant laying down their lives for each other. It meant loving each other sacrificially. And that's what we see the early disciples learning from the apostles who had learned that from the Lord Jesus. And that's what we see them implementing in their lives. And it's as they did so 
that we see a great work of God taking place in their city. That's where we see, as they're doing that, people getting saved, people coming to the Lord, and the church growing in an incredible way. Today, as we look at the church, and I'm not just talking here about harvest, I'm talking about the church as a whole, the church generally, even across the world. Do we see what we see existed in the church back then? When we look at our own individual lives, our commitment to each other, our commitment to the congregation of believers that we're a part of, do we see what we see in the lives of those early believers? When I look at it, what I see is I see that a form of church life, a form of Christianity, if I can put it that way, has developed, which is what I see a far cry from what we've read about here in Acts chapter 2. Many people today, and I would say that this has become almost the normal trend, view church or being a part of a church as just attending a Sunday service as often as is convenient for one and a, one and a half hours max, it mustn't go over that, to sing a few songs, listen to a short message, pay your tithe if you're really spiritual, have a cup of tea and coffee if there's time, and then go home and that's it. I'm not knocking any of that. I'm not knocking any of the aspects that I've just related there. But what I'm trying to say is that this is just a small part of what God intends for us when it comes to our Christian life and our lives as being a part of a community of believers. With the advent of social media, this has become even, uh, I would say, even more neglected. The gathering together of believers has become more neglected. And many people today, with the advent of social media, don't even really see a need for them to be a part of a congregation of believers, to be a part of a community of faith. They're just quite happy to do church online. And in some ways, I can understand where they're coming from. Because what they've seen in church life, or what they've come to understand is church life, is that they just go to a meeting to sing a few songs, listen to a message like what I'm preaching you to you today, and then they go home again. And so when they consider church to be just that, there's no real incentive for them to leave their home and gather together with believers because they can get all of that at home. They can listen to a message at home. They can sing a few songs at home if they need to. There's no real need. What is the difference between them having church online or having church gathered together? And so I believe that many people today are no longer seeing the real need for being a part of a community of believers. And so online church is becoming something that uh, people are accepting almost to be a uh, normal and an acceptable way to follow and serve God. I think it's a product of our Western culture, which encourages and fosters self-centeredness. It encourages individualism, consumerism, and I think that coupled with the stress and the pressures of modern day life and also just the ignorance of how God really intends us as believers to relate to one another, I think has given rise to this kind of thinking. But the problem is that 
online church is never going to bring about the spiritual health that God intends for His people to have. It was never God's plan for us to have faith in Jesus Christ in isolation. God's plan was that believers in Jesus Christ would be part of a community of faith and that they would be committed and devoted to that community, that they would serve each other in that community, that they would take care of each other, that they would pray together, that there would be a real oneness and unity amongst God's people. And it's when that happens that we will see our communities beginning to be impacted and affected by what God is doing in our lives. You see, being a follower of Jesus Christ is not just about attending Sunday services. It's not just about listening to sermons. These are needed, but on their own, they're insufficient for our spiritual well-being and also for our effectiveness as witnesses of Christ. We have to be active and devoted members of a community of believers. And that means coming together. It means gathering together. If we are not ourselves giving of ourselves to a, a significant degree, in this way, we're not going to see the church have an impact in the community. Because it is out of our love for each other that we are going to see that impact come. We're not also going to be able to see the fullness of God's work in our lives. And I want to just give you a slight example here. In the Bible, God's people are referred to as sheep. Now, when you think of sheep, sheep do not do well on their own. Sheep are designed and created to be a part of a flock. Jesus is called our shepherd. Now, when you consider a shepherd, does a shepherd look after sheep individually or does he look after them as a flock? Does he lead sheep individually or does he lead them as a flock? You see, the very, um, these very pictures that God has given us in Scripture of his people and how he relates to his people shows how God will deal with us in the environment of a community. Jesus Christ is going to take care of us. He's going to lead us in the environment of a community of believers. We are never going to have the fullness of Christ's work if we are isolated from the community of believers. In fact, when we consider sheep, a sheep that is separated from the flock is considered to be in danger. And the shepherd will always want to bring that sheep that has strayed or that is lost because it's not a part of the flock, back into the fold so that he can take care of it. And that's exactly the way that Jesus Christ is, our shepherd, our good shepherd. He wants every one of his people to be a part of a flock, a community of believers. And when we're a part of a community of believers, that's when there will, we will see the fullness of Christ's work in our lives. If we're not a part of that community of believers, if we're not devoted to that community of believers, if we're not coming together and gathering together regularly, often, we will never experience or have the fullness of God's working in our lives. You see, Christianity, biblical Christianity I'm talking about, is not just about being grounded in the Word of God, but it's about caring for each other. It's about praying and worshiping together. 
It's about sharing meals together. It's about encouraging each other, stirring up one another towards love and good works. It's about watching out for each other's spiritual well-being. It is togetherness and it is together bearing witness to the grace of God and leading others to faith in Jesus Christ. Our effectiveness as witnesses for Jesus Christ cannot surpass the level of our devotion to our corporate uh, identity, our corporate gathering, our corporate uh, body of believers. We have to be committed to one another if we're going to have an impact in our communities. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed said this, and I just want to read it to you. Familiar words, but I want to read it to you today. John chapter 13 verse 34 to 35. This is what he said. A new command I give you. Now remember, he was speaking here to his apostles. There were 11 of them left at this time. And he said this, he's about to leave, he's about to be crucified. These are like his parting words to them. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he makes this statement. He says, by this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you know that the world is never going to know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ unless they can see amongst us that there is a love that surpasses the normal natural love that people have. A love that lifts to the level of the love that Jesus Christ had for us. In other words, a love that incorporates and in its very essence involves us laying down our lives for each other. That sacrificial kind of love, that selfless kind of love. I believe that God is wanting to birth something new in our lives. I believe that He's wanting to birth something new in Harvest Church. And I believe He's wanting to birth something new in His church all over the world. And I believe that God is working with us. And through this time that we've been going through, where there has been such a shaking that's been happening in the entire world, and not just amongst unbelievers, but even amongst the church itself, I believe it's so that God can birth something new in His church, and that means in every single one of our lives. Something along the lines of what we've read about here in Acts chapter 2. And it's my prayer today, that the Lord would help us to become more and more devoted to each other, more devoted to the community of believers, that He would place within our hearts such a genuine love for each other. There would not be something that's feigned, it would not be something that's hypocritical, but something that is sincere and genuine. And that we would, we would gain such a love to be able to gather together, to study and learn God's Word, to pray and worship together, to encourage and exhort each other, to share our lives with each other, that we would see what we see in the book of Acts beginning to take place in our midst. And so this is what I'm praying for today. I'm praying for today that as this happens in our lives, that we would see such a great awakening and a turning to Christ amongst 
people in our communities because they would see God at work in our midst. I want to end today by just exhorting and encouraging all of us. Today, maybe you're listening to this message and you're not a part of any fellowship of believers. You're not a part of any church, any body of believers, any community of believers. Maybe you are a part, you are a member of a church or you have been involved in a church or attending a church, but you're not really devoted to the people in it. Maybe you have sort of equated church life with just going to a Sunday service, listening to a message, singing a few songs, and then going around the rest of the week doing your business. Maybe you only attend the gathering of believers sporadically. Maybe since COVID, you've decided that you're just going to do church online, that there's no need for you to be involved in a community of believers anymore. You can just get the messages online and you're quite happy to watch it sitting in the comfort of your lounge in your pajamas. But I want you to know that none of these scenarios is God's plan for you. None of these scenarios is going to cause you to be healthy spiritually. And that's what God wants for every one of us. None of these scenarios are going to cause us to grow in Christ and to become what God wants us to be. We all need to be a part of a congregation of believers. A congregation that has structure, a congregation that has leadership. And it's in that context that we will find God enabling us to grow. We need to be committed in that congregation to serving God's people and loving them. I know that this is not easy. I know that it's much easier to have church at home. It's much easier not to have to deal with people. It's much easier not to have to try and get on with people. But do you know that if we're not involved in a congregation of believers, a community of believers, there are parts of the teaching of the Bible that will never apply to our lives. Because when you look at Scripture, we are taught one of the great themes of scriptural teaching is us being taught how to conduct ourselves and live amongst the community of believers, how to treat each other, how to relate to one another. And you know that it's when we're coming together as believers, this is where God really works in our lives. This is where, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. This is where our hearts get exposed. It's when we're with people. I can sit in my lounge and never change. I can listen to sermon after sermon and never really be challenged to do anything with it. But when I come into a community of believers, suddenly I get confronted. I get confronted with my own faults. I get confronted with my own flaws. I get confronted with the need to change in my own life, to address issues in my own life. And I also have to learn how to exercise the fruit of the Spirit, how to be patient, how to love, how to be gentle. All these aspects which are so important to God and so vital in our lives can only be fully developed in the context of a community. And so I want to just leave you with this part, passing statement that if you're really serious about your relationship with God, if you're really serious about serving Christ, if you're really serious about growing in your knowledge of God, growing in grace and becoming all that God wants you to be, you're serious about pleasing Him, then you need to be involved 
in a community of believers, what we call a church, and you need to be devoted to it and to the people in it. If you will do that, I know that God will bless you. And I pray today that you won't just hear these words that I've been sharing and just ignore them, push them to the side, try to forget them. But I pray that you would take these words and you will do something with them. That today you will make a decision, if you're not a part of a community of believers, to become a part of one. If you are, but you're not committed, you're not devoted, that you will become committed and devoted. I pray this for you today. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that you would help us, that not one of us that has heard this message would ignore it, would take it lightly. I pray that every one of us, Father, would take these words, consider them, and do something with them, something towards what you have challenged us to do. I pray, Father, for every one of us to make this choice and decision today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're not a part of a community of believers, and you're here in Harare, and you would like to become a part of one. The details of how you can contact us at Harvest Church will be in the description below in this video. If you look there, you'll find our details and you can then find out from us where we meet, what time we meet. And we would love you to become a part of our community if you are needing to find a community of believers. And we will be a community that is endeavoring to follow what uh, we've been seeing in the Word of God today. God bless you all. It's been wonderful to be able to bring God's word to you. And I pray that it will bring change in all of our lives. God bless.